You're listening to Experiential Experts by Impact XM. Tune in for insights on how to empower your brand with virtual and in-person events and start making an impact today. Hello, everyone, and a very special welcome to the first episode of Experiential Experts, a podcast from Impact XM. This podcast is going to be a place where business people can learn about creative solutions, overcoming challenges, and how businesses can grow their brand through dynamic experiences, both in person and digitally. Today's episode is going to be guided by our hosts, Lori Criswell and Holly Zielinski. Lori is responsible for driving client loyalty for Impact XM with a focus on global event management and forming strategic alliances that add value to the customer relationship. Holly brings 10 years of trade show expertise with strong relationships in the ICSC, home builders, and toy fair industries. We are thrilled to have them guiding the conversation today. Their expertise is going to bring a lot to the show. And we also have a special guest joining us for this episode of the show. It's Amy McGranahan. She is the Chief Operating Officer for Spookstock foundation we are thrilled to have her on and also to learn from her expertise today so without further ado let's get to the first episode of the podcast here with Lori and holly talking to amy well hello what a great introduction holly it's so exciting doing our first podcast together for impact xm's experiential experts i love that we'll be able to share experienced and knowledgeable guests with our listeners who are interested in learning more about what's happening in the live and virtual event space these days what's going on for sure it's been a crazy Crazy few months, crazy year and a half. How are you feeling today? Yeah. Hey, Lori, I just can't believe that we have a podcast. Really excited to experience this with you and to be chatting with you. Uh, Looking forward to uh, being on the podcast with you, Lori. So things are really opening up here. We're starting to see live events happening down in Dallas again. Uh, Lots of clients are getting busy. And I think the exciting thing is they're kind of opening some new avenues and seeing more maybe quality over quantity of who they're meeting with and where they're focusing their live events. So very excited to be busy again um, with something beyond just virtual like we've been doing the past couple months. I think that the virtual has been great and it's a it's been a great tool to keep in touch with our clients. But I do feel like there is some virtual fatigue out there and everybody is ready to get back to live events, regardless of having to wear a mask or not. Obviously, prefer to not wear a mask. I don't know about you, but it's definitely something I'm willing to do to get back to it so that we're able to continue our relationships and build new ones. Yeah, I'm hearing the same. You know, people are willing to do what they need to do because face-to-face is just invaluable and everyone's ready to get back to that normalcy and, you know, seeing their clients and their peers in person is just an entirely different experience than virtual. So while virtual does have its benefits and it certainly filled the gap and we've pivoted where we've needed to, it's exciting to be back live again. I'm really excited to hear from Amy. You've told me so much about her and looking forward to hearing about how she handled her first live event post-pandemic. Yeah, I am too. And and she was really a pioneer in jumping back into the live events early on in 2021 and has a really great story to tell. We have in the house, uh, Amy McGranahan. Um, I'll give you a little bit of information, background on Amy. She is the Chief Operating Officer for Spookstock Foundation, where she manages day-to-day operations and executing covert love that word, music concert events to raise money to support the flourishing of Shadow Warriors and their families. 
great cause. She has supported the foundation since its inception in 2012 from the outside and has a great passion for its mission. Prior to this, she was the Chief Operating Officer of the United States Geospatial Intelligence Foundation, also known as USGIF. Prior to USGIF, she worked in the intelligence community on proposal management and infrastructure support. So to say she knows her stuff when it comes to experiential marketing is an understatement. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited to catch up with you. Why don't we just jump into it? Tell us a little bit about your foundation and the events that you host. We put on covert concerts and started in 2012. And as you know, as you mentioned, I've supported the organization since then as a patron from the outside end and being a nonprofit USGIF kind of bringing attendees to support the cause. And then in 2016, we had Steve Miller ban and I provided the infrastructure operations support to execute that spook stock. So when they called me last year, I was like, oh, my dream job has fallen out of the sky. So, you know, again, I'm very passionate about the mission and the impact that we have um, for the families. So, and the shadow warriors, but so we do, we bring in headliner, um, entertainment and we host an event. It is invite only, and it's very rough raw. We call ourselves the ungala. You're not going to have a rubber chicken dinner or beer, (laughs) barbecue and concert. I think one of the really unique features that we do is we do a call out to the intelligence community and department of defense community to do a battle of the bands. It's really interesting how many talented musicians exist in this community. So they make their submissions. We down select to six and then day of we host a battle of the bands competition. We bring in seniors in the ICDOD to act as judges, which we think kind of takes them out of their element and something they don't know about. But we also have professional music folks. We had Robert De Niro one year as a judge. And this year we were fortunate to have a gentleman named Matt Squire who helped produce Ariana Grande's first album. So he actually knew his stuff and was uh, brought incredible insight that I think, you know, the other judges coming, you know, a former general and a leader at CIA coming in, gave them interesting perspectives on judging music. So all of these big names that are supporting the foundation and supporting this cause, why the secrecy, Amy? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the mystique sort of is why you want to be part of it, right? Everyone wants an invite. They hear about it. It's an amazing cause. And, you know, we are drawing from a community that takes care of its community. You know, they want to be part of it and supporting the effort. But again, it's sort of neat to be like, oh, you have to be invited to participate. We're not going to, we never send a bulk email out. Exclusive events exclusive events. And that creates demand. And we do, you know, we fill our sponsor spots. So, you know, this fall, we have Billy Idol on November 6th at the Anthem in DC. And both um, the spring event and the fall event were carryovers from COVID because we had the bands um, secured. So we're doing two, which we don't typically do in a year. But you know, we're already over 50% sold out just from people saying, hey, it's a cause, right? Keep the money and we'll be there when you host it next year. So that's been really wonderful for the community to support us that way. How do you raise the funds for this event? Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting. We were talking about that and it's like, well, you know, a lot of people do a golf tournament and I have certainly plenty of local charities that I'm support where we'll host a golf tournament and we net anywhere from 25 to 75, you know, depending on the charity cause and what have you. Or you could spend more money, have a headline act and net a million dollars, right? So, you know, to make the impact, it actually takes money to make money. And, you know, we're making the investment in our time and, you know, the community's interest to really create an event that can make an impact with a larger check. 
To date, we've given $3.6 million to our benefiting charities, which are CIA Officer Memorial Foundation, Special Operations Warrior Foundation, and Defense Intelligence Memorial Foundation. That's amazing. Well, great stuff, Amy. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the event that happened this April during COVID? I'm sure that was interesting. That was interesting. And, you know, considering we, uh, in January, didn't have a venue, (laughs) it came together really quickly in probably a two-month time frame. And of course, given the COVID environment, you know, we were waiting to see how things health, you know, if it could even support us doing the event, but we had the band locked in and we had the date, you know, locked in. So we had to, I feel, execute if we could. Who was the band, Amy? Old Dominion Band. And they were amazing. If anyone's interested in um, using them, (laughs) they were wonderful to work with. They were personable and just gave on a a great show. We had people who came that were like, I didn't know who they were, which I personally knew and loved them beforehand. But yeah, when they, after the performance, we were like, fell in love with them. So anyways, they were great. Um, but we were originally going to do it in a hangar at Dulles Airport. And um, we're working through TSA. And it was just taking so much time that we, you know, by chance ran across a gentleman who was opening a venue in uh, Leesburg, I would say Luckett's, Virginia. And it, we were his first event. And he was like, loved our cause and said they'd support us, you know, which really was a blessing because of, we needed the outdoor space to really calculate the attendance we needed in terms of COVID requirements based on square footage. So with all of the extra hoops you have to jump through with the COVID restrictions and being one of the first events to happen in this size in DC Live, what kinds of things did you have to kind of work through to gauge if this was going to be a success amidst the pandemic? Yeah, well, I think one of the key things, you know, as we're as we were communicating and talking to patrons, you know, letting them know that, hey, there's a chance this may not happen, but we're going into it like it is going to happen. And on April 1, we set that as a date um, to evaluate the environment and say, should we move it or should we keep it? And again, the event was April 24th. Um, but one of the great things that helped us feel comfortable with our planning and moving forward was we um, contracted with a company called Vigilant, and they provided support to the Super Bowl for COVID mitigation. And so they have an amazing team. They were so wonderful to work with. And they really stepped in. I mean, they are the experts, right? And they stepped in and sort of guided us along the way on what we a would need to have in place, even if, you know, planning to move forward. But then on April 1, really looking at the environment, the current codes, regulations, CDC guidance, all of that stuff to say, hey, you can do this, you know, and, and, and you know, you're meeting all the requirements. I mean, our key thing is we're gathering people that we care and love about, <laughs> you know, so it's like we want them to be safe and and have an environment that they are comfortable in. Um, the other great thing that also helped us make that decision was our community. We are a lot of them are essential, you know, workers and they were vaccinated. So talking to folks inside the IC, they were starting to get vaccinated vaccinated in February. So a large majority of our audience by that April date were vaccinated. What other measures did you take to make ensure the safety of the guests? We had Parsons Corporation who brought temperature read kiosks at the gate. So um, we required guests before they, they had to be vaccinated by April 10th. And again, that's per the CDC guidelines of being fully vaccinated and it being effective by April 24th or you would have had to test within 72 hours 
of the event and receive a negative COVID test. And we did unfortunately have a couple of people show up that didn't meet those requirements and we had to turn them away. But we set out outside, spread out, you know, six feet apart. And thank you, Lori, your team was amazing with sort of the, the graphics and the dividers and all of that stuff that you provided to really set up an, an easy setup for people to access and get in and do a test to those two facts and get their temperature read and move in. I think it was two to three seconds per person. Well, we were really thrilled to be supporting this event. And I will say, having worked the registration desk, that everybody was so happy just to be back to a live event that if if there was a line, nobody cared uh, to be checked in and have to go through the testing. Nobody cared. They were just happy and embracing the live event that we've been absent from for so long. So I, I thought that went very smoothly. Everybody was just really enjoying and relaxing. And how did you handle the food and beverage? I mean, I know because <laughs> I was there, but I maybe tell the rest of the world. <laughs> well, so that goes back to the planning, right? You know, we met with the vigilant team and we also hire um, Osin Hunter, who helps support our security efforts. So we all met out there multiple times, evaluated the space and tried to create a flow that supported you know, in, out, social distancing and all those piece parts. So from the catering perspective, we were lucky to have what a 20,000 square foot, 30,000 square foot inside. Yeah. And so the was outside, but we created a flow into, I'll call it the barn arena and we divided it in half. There were multiple stations, they were spread out and, you know, just giving people that space to distance is, was really key. You know, it was, it was more expensive because you kind of duplicated efforts on both sides of the wings. But, you know, that's what you needed to do to create an environment people are comfortable in. And you had about a thousand attendees. We had a thousand fifty register. We had eight hundred and thirty six show up that actually checked in day of. And that doesn't count workers that were there. Right. And the code restriction at the time was a thousand for the space size that we had. And you were very fortunate that it was an indoor-outdoor type event and it did not rain, even though it had rain was forecasted for the previous week or the prior week. Well, at the very end on the Wednesday, you know, I made that last minute call and added a bunch of tents, which again, I was like, I'm doing this so that it doesn't rain, <laughs> you know, but then if it doesn't yeah. support it, but I'm like the minute you spend the money, it's not going to happen. But yeah, no, we ordered tents and we had the indoor space. And so we felt fully comfortable with the forecast moving forward. And at the very end, as the, we had a bugler who played taps to close it out. And, you know, the video is beautiful at the end when he's playing and the rain starts to come down. It's almost like it waited. So how did you handle the headlining talent? I know typically you would have a, a meet and greet, but how did you how did you manage that during COVID? That had to have been a little bit of a challenge. You know, obviously, as cautious as we were with the attendees, we had to be the same way with the band and they had, you know, same concerns as everyone attending. We were their first concert in 18 months. So wow. anxious to perform, but cautious to perform because they were supposed to kick off a tour with Kenny Chesney, which ended up getting canceled the week after our event. So going into it, you know, they were very cautious about it. And to the point where like we do offer meet and greets and, you know, we were restructuring those to allow for distance, you know, not having next to each other photos and different things like that. So we definitely had to organize it differently. So, but Old Dominion band, you know, they were great to work with and they, they worked with us. April 24th, you know, the band played and two weeks later, the lead singer fell off a ladder and broke his ribs. Oh my oh gosh. No. I know. I was like, if that had happened before. 
you would have been pushing it. For all our COVID planning, and then it couldn't happen because he fell off a ladder and broke his ribs. <laughs> oh my gosh! I hope he's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's fine now. I guess the Kenny Chesney cancellation probably was a blessing in disguise. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely the fun of live events. You never know what's going to happen and what you're going to be up against. Always have to be ready to get a creative solution on deck. It's the, the word of the, uh, the pandemic is pivot. <laughs> so like over that that's word. right. So true. <laughs> Tell us about the, the guest speaker. I, I don't know if you call her an ambassador for the event, but you had a guest speaker. Allison Spann, and she actually participated as a graduate at Spookstock in 2015, which was the Peter Frampton year. And so she's a beneficiary. You know, her dad was the first one killed in Afghanistan. And um, she is a um, news anchor for a Mississippi television or TV station. And she's just an amazing human being. She's great and she's well-spoken. And, you know, she was always willing to share her story and she loved meeting with the graduates we brought in this year. So that's who we had sort of MC the day. We felt like she was appropriate. Our event is 100% about our cause. And so we're not looking, you know, we do have headliner bands and stuff and that, you know, draws people in, but we're really there to celebrate the kids. And I shouldn't say kids, but the uh, college graduates from our organizations that we support. The camaraderie and the support that your foundation offers to these families, I think, is just so crucial to showing why live events are so important. And we have to find the ways and get creative like you've done to make these happen because being face-to-face is really irreplaceable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the even from the graduate perspective, you know, we fly American Airlines generously donates miles and we bring all the kids in a few days early and we'll take them to CIA, to Pentagon. Um, anyways, we create a tour package, some industry locations for them to spend a few days together and learn. I mean, they're ready to start a career. And so we're trying to provide some foundational exposure that maybe they don't have a parent there to support them in doing. And, you know, it's great because they come together and they relate. It's someone who has experienced and gone through what they've been through. So it's really neat to watch the camaraderie amongst them. I know you support the children of the Shadow Warriors, but you also support the spouse as well, who's trying to navigate the loss. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I I would say, you know, this year we expanded our mission to, we used to be about the, you know, it would say the children of fallen Shadow Warriors. And now we say fallen, or we say Shadow Warriors and their families. Because, um, yes, we definitely have um, spouses of, of the fallen, the kids, everyone who is really just trying to find their way after a terrible loss for someone who sacrificed for all of us. And so, you know, we're here to support them. That's our job. That's we owe it to them to do that. Yeah, I think we have a duty to do that. Yeah. So we support the families. And and I would add, you know, we also are um, supporting shadow warriors who are coming out of their military career. How do we help you transition into um, your post-military career? Amy, what additional ways do you fundraise to support your mission? We have what we call a special operations experience, which is actually an immersive special operations experience, where we'll bring individuals in and they get to be a Green Beret for a day. I want to be a Green Beret for a day. Well, it's amazing. I got to be one and it was incredible. So it's tough. (laughs) It's hard. You repel walls, fly around in a helicopter, clear rooms, take out bad guys, high speed chases. 
but it's really cool. And it's, it's something that you just can't do right without the right opportunity. And so, you know, a lot of people, you can bungee jump and do a bunch of different things, but it's, can't find a place to say, oh, I want to sign up to be a Green Beret for a day. So are you offering supporters the opportunity to donate? And this is uh, something they're able to come in and experience based on their donation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And But it also ties to the mission, right? We want them to come in and appreciate and realize who we're representing, what the soldiers are going through. A little closer to home to the cause so that they realize, A, the need. You know, there's a lot of information that's shared as well. And in addition, they're paired with a Delta operator who sort of guides them through the day. So, you know, they really get to learn a lot about what men go through (laughs) in the field, um, the impact it could have on their life and form a relationship and and better understand the great skill set as well that they're bringing to bear as they consider their post-military career. I love your story uh, about your experience becoming a Green Beret for the day and how you... Sure, I would have passed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. I heard the culinary experience was fabulous. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it was very, really cool. And again, not me personally, not having a military background, I don't think you appreciate all the little piece parts, but for lunch, we had to lay out a, you know, a little mat and a helicopter flew over and, and dropped our lunch down on the onto the mat. So some of it exploded out. It wasn't necessarily the neatest dining experience, (laughs) but uh, it was passable. And, you know, we got some fuel and headed off to the next exercise. What a fun experience. Well, that's definitely a once in a lifetime, fully immersive experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. What other efforts does the foundation take to support the families in the mission? Well, you know, to us, even going back to the music event, you know, one of the great outcomes is, you know, we have the graduates that come there and, you know, we have CEOs of major defense contractors, commercial as well, um, out in the audience. And we've had grads hired on the spot at the concerts, you know, hey, you want a job? You know, they it's their opportunity to mingle, mingle and network and find career opportunities. That's fantastic. So that has really grown over time. And we are currently, we have a, a big supporter who has said, any any kid that you bring my way, any graduate that you bring my way, we will hire. You know, at our music event in April, again, because it was the COVID environment, we typically have about 30 to 40 participate in the grad program. But we had eight that actually attended in April. And this organization made, um, interviewed six that were interested, made offers to three that were interested that would have hired wow. them and are giving them incredible opportunities. And the CEO personally is overseeing this. He's giving them opportunities that people that are in the company don't get based, you know, you have to be extremely senior and these graduates have that. He also is committed to bringing in, you know, if you're not on a college track, They have a great lineman program, and he wants to really bring, if you want to be in a trade, supporting that. Very large company with like 2,600 portfolio companies in their organization. So we had one kid wanted to be an aerospace engineer. He pointed to one of their other, you know, company partners and say, hire this kid. Wow. That's amazing. But I mean, they're just so young, fine young men and women. Unbelievable to have that backing and support. And these these families have gone through so much uh, yeah. to support our country and to have to give them that opportunity uh, for success is just 
amazing. Very, very admirable. So we're working to kind of formalize that into a process and Salesforce has been an amazing partner for us and they are, you know, providing pro bono service. They just purchased Acumen. So Acumen is helping um, on a pro bono uh, basis to stand up a platform where we could load the resumes, we could get, you know, obviously this big anchor um, motivating organization as number one, but we could expand, bring in other companies who are as passionate about and committed to our mission as this company to help hire the kids and including retiring um, active duty or military. So this is success of these events really shows that you know what you're doing, Amy. So what kind of advice would you give to someone else that's trying to plan an event right now, given all their extra hurdles of COVID? I would say it was worth it. (laughs) You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And I believe that's really true. Um, There's a way to make it happen. There's a way to make it valuable. And, you know, people are starved for the opportunity, but everyone has a responsibility in that, right? So if the restriction is you have to do these things, that's what you have to do. That's just the times we're living in. So it's not without responsibility on everybody's part. Yeah. And I know you have an upcoming event in November um, in DC and it's an inside uh, venue. So what are you doing to make sure that that event is as great a success as the one in April? Yeah. So interesting. Prior to this time together, I had a call with Vigilant. to discuss just that. And so, you know, they're um, constantly tracking because it's what they do, kind of trends and they're watching the Delta variant and all these things that are going on. So we feel like kids will be back in school. We'll see sort of what's happening there and have a good feel for what we need to put into place. Booster shots are coming out. So what requirements we'll need, we'll make that determination then, um, which will allow us enough time to react by November 6th. It's a lot to think about. And I I know in the event industry as a whole, everybody's talking about that. And how do we get back to safe events? And I think that now with the CDC saying that we didn't have, if we've been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, but then obviously there's still some companies that will want you to, uh, some retail organizations and restaurants, I guess it's to their discretion. Mm -hmm. But hopefully you'll be in a position in November where you won't have to worry about that. Right. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> well, you're, exactly. But if we have to, I mean, we have the best partners ever, you know, Parsons, we have, you know, just great patrons and companies that we work with that'll pull together. And if we need a resource, provide it. Yeah. Well, I thought you were really brave when you first started talking with me about the event in April. And I, I was, as you remember, probably, was very adamant about pushing to July and not that it really would have made a difference. So you, you had the, the uh, insight on that because I was more concerned about April and, and thinking that July would be better, but, and you probably wouldn't have had to have the mask mandate in July if you had done that, but it didn't matter because they were cute masks that you handed out. Yeah. That was part of the, the COVID plan. We had a uh, masks with an N95 filter and uh, on your lanyard, you had a little hand, personal hand sanitizer that you could use while you were at the event. So my fingers are just now healing from putting, attaching those to the lanyard um, <laughs> as well. <laughs> Did I mention that we're a lean, mean organization? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, we were happy to support. Very happy to support. Yeah, we do a big call out for volunteers. And that's sort of how we help with day of execution. But on a year round basis, there's three of us in the organization. So. 
And it's a one lot. focuses on that special operations experience, and then I focus on music events, and then our CEO focuses on vision, you know, creating the vision for us to move forward. Your cause is so amazing, and you're making such an impact on the community and on these families' lives. How can listeners get involved or how can listeners donate to the foundation if they're interested in doing so? Yeah, so um, certainly, I don't know, I guess my contact information will be made available from from this. But if anyone's interested in um, information on the music events, feel free to reach out to me directly. You know, we always encourage anyone who wants to make a donation. Um, you can go direct to CIA Officer Memorial Foundation Defense Intel Memorial Foundation or Special Ops Warrior Foundation websites, you know, we would encourage you to support the cause as we do through a donation. Awesome. Well, Amy, great information, great cause. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, hopefully uh, your event in November will be amazing success. I'm sure that it will. And we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, thank you both. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your inaugural. Yes. It's a very big honor. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, thanks again. And for more information regarding Amy's foundation, please reach out to her at amy.mcgranahan at spookstock.org. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to our first episode. Tune in next time for more conversations with the experiential experts.